let's get it. Monday, September 20th, 2021. Born the Battle, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I'm your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Again, how are you listening to this, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, blogs.va.gov. Hope you're having a good week outside of podcast land. It is good to be back, back to our regularly scheduled drop day. If you have never heard Dr. Baxter's interview from our last Rewind, make sure you go check that one out. Uh, For the last 25 years, both in and out of uniform, he has been the Secretary of Defense's flight surgeon for, again, multiple Secretary of Defense's. And 20 years ago, he helped lead the evacuation and recovery operations at the Pentagon on 9-11. And he laid it all out there in that interview. Uh, It was incredible. One new review came into Apple Podcasts right before our 9-11 episode. This one is from Ellie Clissold. says, five stars, inspiring. This podcast series is incredibly informative and inspiring. Ellie, appreciate the endorsement. We try to aim for both those things here at Born the Battle and appreciate the review. As you already know, I'm looking for that next review. If you haven't yet, please consider writing one for Born the Battle on Apple Podcasts. Doing so does help us climb higher in the algorithms, giving more veterans a better opportunity to discover and listen to the interviews, our benefits breakdown episodes, and hear what's in the news releases from the VA. And also, as you just heard, it's the best way for me to communicate with you. All right, here we go. News releases. There were a couple I missed last week, like the release of VA's Reach Out campaign that you've probably seen on social media anyways, if you follow the VA. And there was also one about the VA and where they were doing and where the department was doing tributes on 9-11. It's not timely, uh, old news. However, there are three out there that are timely. First one says, for immediate release, the Department of Veterans Affairs recently launched a geriatric emergency department initiative within all VA healthcare networks through a standardized comprehensive care model, becoming the nation's largest integrated healthcare network with specialized geriatric emergency care. This initiative equips VA emergency departments with the ability to treat older veterans with complex conditions, catch unmet care needs, and develop teamwork strategies throughout VA to better coordinate emergency departments and follow-up care. In this effort, VA has partnered with the American College of Emergency Physicians, the John A. Hartford Foundation, and the West Health Institute. The evidence-based approach to caring for older adults includes screenings to identify seniors at risk for cognitive impairment, delirium, fall risk, functional decline, and caregiver burden. The partnership aims to establish 70 VA emergency departments as geriatric emergency departments eligible for accreditation in alignment with ACEP's GED accreditation by September of 2022. The accreditation includes three levels that have each specific education criteria for clinicians and nurses and creating emergency departments that are more expertly equipped to treat older veterans with complex conditions and social needs through service coordination across hospitals. To date, there are 16 VA sites between levels one and three, with level one accreditation being the highest. Now, the only one that is level one is Cleveland, Ohio. Level twos are Louisville, Kentucky, Atlanta, Georgia, Buffalo, New York, Durham, North Carolina, Syracuse, New York, and level threes are Palo Alto, California, Charleston, South Carolina, New Orleans, Louisiana, Grand Junction, Colorado, Greater Los Angeles, California, San Diego, California, Madison, Wisconsin, 
Long, Long Beach, California, West Haven, Connecticut, and Salt Lake City, Utah. Accredited emergency departments have proven to lower costs, reduce the rate of unnecessary hospital admissions, and prevent the risk of inpatient complications. All right. Next one says for immediate release, new data included in the Department of Veterans Affairs 2021 National Veterans Suicide Prevention Annual Report notably shows a decrease from 2018 to 2019 in the total number of veteran suicide deaths and a decrease in the rate of veteran suicides per 100,000 people. Before this, rates were generally rising, so this is why they wanted to bring it out there. This report, this latest report provides the most comprehensive data to date regarding suicides among U.S. veterans from 2001 to 2019. Uh, some key findings in the report. In 2019, there were almost 400 fewer veteran suicides than 2018. In 2019, the veteran suicide rate was 31 veterans per 100,000, still substantially higher than the rate among non-veteran U.S. adults, which was just under 17 people per 100,000. Adjusting for the age and sex differences, the suicide rate among veterans in 2019 was still over 50% higher than for non-veterans U.S. adults, which is closing the gap as the suicide rate difference between veterans and non-veteran U.S. population was at its highest in 2017 at over 65%. The age-adjusted suicide rate for male veterans decreased to just under 4% in 2019 from 2018, while the age-adjusted suicide rate for female veterans decreased to almost while the age-adjusted suicide rate for female vet- veterans decreased to almost 15% in 2019 from 2018. I don't know what the age-adjusted suicide rate is. Uh, I'm going to have to do some Google on that myself. Firearms were more often involved in the veteran suicides from 2019 than in 2018. It was almost at the same rate with veteran men comparing the two years, but female veterans saw an almost 9% jump from 41% to almost 50%. For additional veteran suicide mortality data, and obviously I'm going to have to read up on this myself, uh, you can see the reports accompanying state data sheets at mentalhealth.va.gov forward slash suicide underscore prevention forward slash data dot ASP. And as always, if you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, contact the Veterans Crisis Line to receive free confidential support and crisis intervention available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 365 days a year by calling 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Or you can text 838-255 or chat online at veteranscrisisline.net forward slash chat. Okay, and the last one says for immediate release, the Department of Veterans Affairs has named staff members to the Sexual Assault and Harass Prevention Work Group will begin serving their one-year appointment this September. The 16 appointees are experienced subject matter experts and will advise the secretary on department policies and procedures to eliminate sexual assault and harassment in VA facilities. To read the names and the bios, you can go directly to the press release at va.gov forward slash OPA forward slash press rel. All right. This week's interview is a Marine veteran who is a primetime Emmy award winning Foley artist for his work on Elena of Avalor. He has also done work as a Foley artist, audio mixer, and artist work for other Disney and Netflix animated shows. If you look at his IMDb since he started his new career, and yes, for him it's a relatively new career. The list on there includes animated franchises like Looney Tunes, Land Before Time, Barbie, Transformers, The Croods, Tom and Jerry, Legos, Wizard of Oz, Where's Waldo, Phineas and Ferb, Curious George, Scooby-Doo, 
Madagascar, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Mickey Mouse. Basically, if you have kids and you have them watching new versions of your favorites as a kid, he's probably worked on it. He is a Marine veteran, David Bonilla. Enjoy. So, David Bonilla, um, is there any relation to Bobby Bonilla? No, and I get that all the time, and I wish wish it was true because, man, Bobby Bonilla, I would love to take advantage of that, man. Dude. That that contract was insane, you know? I I hope one day I can secure my own Bobby Bonilla type of contract. Yeah, yeah. His his agent was a genius. Yeah. (laughs) It's like every July 16th or something like that. It was like 20 years, right? So, when, when was that? 20 years since his last like playing days. I don't yeah. know. There's, there's plenty of articles on it. And yeah. um, I was just wondering if you, if you ever hit him up. Like, Hey dude, um, hey, I'm um, kind of like a distant <laughs> cousin. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> I'm a nephew ish, you know, but I do have a Dodgers Jersey cause he played for the Dodgers and that's where he got the deal. You know, yeah. um, he was number 25. And so I didn't get a 25. I got my favorite number, which is 43. Um, cause they add up to seven lucky number seven. So, um, it's kind of little, I don't know. That's why I picked it, I guess. Um, but that's, I I have a, a Dodgers jersey with the number 43 and it says Boney and people are like, Bobby Boney. I'm like, no, he was number 25. But I appreciate you remembering that though. And so whenever I tell people, I'm like, David Bonilla, like Bobby Bonilla. And then sports people get it. Everybody else is like, who is Bobby Bonilla? Yeah. I mean, 25, two and five also equals seven. Hey, Look at that connection. Look at that connection. Just, See? Look. Yeah, I never I've honestly never thought about that until you just said that. That's awesome. Yeah. So you didn't have to change the number. Uh, yeah. Either way, we're in the same in the same game. Yeah. You'd be good. Um okay, so you were recommended uh for this interview by by former guest and CEO of Pop Smoke Media, Dan Sharp. Yeah. Uh, Greg, yeah. Uh how did you guys link up? Uh, he found me through a Facebook group, uh, for drinking bros. Uh, so, uh, veterans hopefully are familiar with that group and I've met those guys a couple of times. I think Jared had a birthday and I met him at the American Legion here in Hollywood. Um, yeah, just briefly and took pictures with them, obviously. And, uh, I was, I posted about a project that I did for Netflix, uh, called blood of Zeus. And it's a, it's like a very Castlevania-ish style animated series. And oh. I just was trying to get some exposure because it's the first time I kind of did that type of animation. And okay. I wanted to see if my work had translated well. So I just put a message, hey, I worked on this. Let me know what you guys think. And I mean, that thing shot through the roof. It was like number one for a few weeks. And really? it, it just got renewed again uh, for two more seasons. So they Netflix immediately bought two more seasons. Wow. And so uh, we'll be working on that. Um, and it's really cool because it's like the Greek uh, mythology, but stories that you haven't really heard or twists on things that you thought you knew. And and um, so kind of some un, untold tales of uh, Greek stories, you know, mythology what, kind of stuff. What a cool project. Is it, is it, anim, is it anime, like Japanese anime? Yeah, it's in that fashion. Yeah. And um, if you've ever seen Castlevania or fans of Castlevania that yeah. is on Netflix right now, we'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, 
and it's it looks great and it's gory and it's vicious and what's crazy is my fiance's friend is an actor in that and i didn't know and i go i thought i heard a voice because i hear voices all the time not that i'm crazy but when i'm at work i hear actors voices and you you can kind of pick up on them yeah you're like oh that's totally this guy that's totally this guy or this woman you know um and I heard the voice and I'm like, I know that name. And his name is, his, I can't remember his last name, but he's, he's just one of the actors. And I was like, wow, small world. And that happens very often where I'm working on a project and I either have met them or I know them or somebody I know knows them. And then, you know, then I'm very, talking about them on a podcast. <laughs> very cool. Very yeah. cool. Um, so before we get into post-career Military careers, pun and pen, pun and definitely intended. Yeah. Uh, we go on the show. We go way back. Um, you grew up in California, yeah. uh, and you were acted before you joined the service, right? Yeah, yeah. California uh, boy, did, dude. Uh, <laughs> what uh, did you uh, What you act in? Uh, so I did a bunch of like background acting. So uh, people are familiar with extras, you know, like just yeah. being in the background, pantomiming, pretending you're drinking, and I'm not, you know, it's talking and shaking your head kind of thing. I did that. Um, I was in movies like Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones. Um, I did a Whitney Houston video, which is my claim to fame. That's uh, cool. Or I got to ride a bike for a day and they paid me like 700 bucks as a kid. I was like 13 or 14. Okay. And they're like, do you know how to ride a bike? I'm like, dude, I'm a kid. Uh, obviously, I know how to ride a bike. You know? uh, and, what a dumb question. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, just ride around Paramount and we'll film you. And then they just had me stop at these sandbags and then they put makeup on me and stuff. I mean, I filmed for like three hours and I got to eat from the the food truck and I got to meet all the soul train dancers at the time. So I don't know if anybody remembers soul train, but Mm. I got to meet all the dancers that were on the show. And then Whitney Houston was there and it was like, it just insane, you know, just really, really crazy. Um, That was probably at the height of her career. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It was, it was for a soundtrack called The Preacher's Wife. I think that she did that with Denzel. Yeah. Um, and she was really into her acting career at the time. And uh, at the same time, I was a regular extra on the show Sister, Sister with uh, Tia and Tamara Maori. And uh, I'd run into them just during – and it was a live uh, live filming. So, it was kind of interesting because then you hear people kind of talking and like people looking at you like, oh, yeah, what's he going to say? Or, you know, just kind of guessing. Um, and then they have somebody that warms up the crowd and stuff like that. So that was fun to kind of go through that process. And I just did a bunch of different movies. Like I did a movie with Dennis Leary and um, there's a guy from uh, O'Connor, Carol O'Connor, the guy from uh, not the honeymooners that uh, all in the family. Okay. That guy. Oh. Yeah. 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 And he hated kids. And that dude just, <laughs> was like get kids away from me i don't want kids around me and uh dennis leary was really cool um and it was a movie called second civil war second civil war for hbo um and then i just did a bunch of small projects and um my mom had friends that were filmmakers and stuff so i just jumped into whatever you know it sounds like it's a lot of stuff where you got your SAG card and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I avoided um, that at all costs because I was like, I do not want to pay dues, uh, yeah, especially yes. for a 13, 14 year old kid. <laughs> and I'm like, dues? I'm like, no, that's not happening. Any uh, any interest in acting again? Uh, 
Yes, in a way, I would probably do um, voice acting. And so oh. I've I I started working with a voice coach and um, and then they just got busy. Um, uh, so then and, and I got busy and it's kind of like, you know, fall apart. But uh, like any relationship, you know, <laughs> you're not in it, then you're out, you know. So um, well, you only have so much bandwidth, you know, uh, and so exactly. many things that you can dedicate to it. Yeah. Point. Well, and she was a working actress and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I just could not get it going. But I, I do want to pursue that again. I really love I don't like being the the. The star in the sense where. I'm a face, you know, I, I can do radio, I can do podcasts, I can, you know, I can do all these things. Well, Just don't look at me. <laughs> well, well, this, well, the, hey, hey, this podcast is now video. So yeah, I'm sorry, dude, yeah, you screwed, yeah, on, you screwed yeah, on this yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't tell me that because it's going to get in my head, you know. But, well, you uh, see, well, you seem to be well adjusted. Uh, no child uh, star syndrome that I've seen so far. Yeah, we'll um, get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I need my coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um. When did you know that military service was going to be the next step in your life? Oof. Um, it was weird. I was one of those weird kids that, you know, played with GI Joes and stuff like that. And so I think it was always in my head, you mm -hmm. know, that I'm like, oh, I really like this military thing. I liked, you know, playing with toy guns. Um, it just didn't click until I was in high, in high school and I had a recruiter click it for me. Um, so I was, uh, I think it was 16 and obviously in high school sports, uh, cause that's where they get you. And, uh, my recruiter just bought me lunch. He just said, uh, his, his name was Sergeant Chides and he's like, Hey, do you want to go out for lunch, man? I'm like, sure. Free food. Free food. Totally. And I was working at the time, you know, and I had a job and I was like, but if somebody's going to buy you free lunch, why not? Like, I'll let this sucker take me out for lunch, you know? And we just got to talking and the things he said made sense. And then I became like, like just in it. Like I, I was just so entrenched in my mind. I was like, dude, like this is checking all the boxes, like guidance, discipline, travel, you know, shooting guns, dressing up really nice, you know, um, all the things that a young kid that doesn't know what he wants or needs kind of goes, Oh, you're answering everything for me. You you got it all, you know? Oh, you want to play baseball? We have a baseball team. Oh, you want to do football? We have a football team that, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you can run track for us. So um, I was sold. I was sold right away. And he was not only a recruiter, but he was also a friend, like very, my mom was very worried about me. So he, you know, put my mom's mind at ease. Um, and, uh, I got in a car accident. He helped me take care of that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. Um, you know, hey, how's everything going with your friends kind of thing? And we still, we, we keep in touch through Facebook now. I found him, you know, years later, which is the great thing about social media. You can find people, whether you like it or not, from 20 years ago, 30 <laughs> years ago, you know. So that was a very pleasant uh, surprise and, and a great connection to to have again. I'm I'm the same way with my recruiter. Sergeant Bell was almost like another brother to me. Um, yeah. You know, he was really, uh, really close, really helped me through a lot of stuff. And I think I was his last recruit before he got out of the Marine Corps. Oh, wow. So, yeah, or one of his last ones. But, yeah, him and I still talk uh, every once in a while on Facebook. And, and yeah, I was uh, 
uh, always appreciate what he did for me uh, yeah. and, and joining the service. Um, oh, I definitely needed it, man. I, I grew up in a, a neighborhood called El Monte, uh, the mountain. And uh, people here call it El Monte. But uh, <laughs> whenever I say it, I'm like, no, I am from there. I'm going to say El Monte. Okay. So uh, El Monte is rough, man. Like it's a, it's a rough part of town. Um, it's probably gotten better. My brother still lives there. But uh, when I was growing up, I used to get jumped all the time. I was super scrawny as well. Like I'm 180 right now, 175. When I went into the Marine Corps, I was 115. Oh, wow. You were scrawnier than me. I was, I was 140. A, I was a toothpick, dude. So yeah, I was struggling in life before that because I was probably even less, you know, I weighed less. And so I used to get beat up a lot. They call it getting jumped, you know? <laughs> and so uh, I didn't know how to fight. You know, my brothers knew how to fight and kind of protect me. I, had, I have two older brothers. And um, but uh, so like one is with my dad got remarried when I was younger. And so I have a stepbrother, but he's still my brother. I don't yeah. really call him my stepbrother. And then I have my brother, my natural brother, that's a year older than me. So my, my brother, Eric, a year older than me was always with me and when he wasn't i was getting beat up basically yeah. uh so yeah i needed it man like it, uh, the marine corps saved my life in many ways where it taught me how to stand up for myself how to uh you know kind of have that bravado kind of i guess yeah. Confidence. That yeah, confidence. confidence. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, I'm terrible with words, by the way. No, so if, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Um, did did the Marine Corps when you told people that you were joining the Marine Corps, were they like, yeah, right? Oh, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'm like yeah. you Marine Corps. No. And and the other thing was I was a major quitter, man. Like I I was so fickle for with things like, you know, I did baseball when I was a kid and I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. I quit, you know, uh, joining clubs i'm like hey yeah here's french club yeah i'm over it in a week or something you know and so i saw that and i hated that like it really 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 uh got to me where i was like i'm done quitting like i can't quit again and so making that commitment to the marine corps uh you know just as much as they needed me i needed them and mm. and i was like yeah like there's no going back and people were like yeah dude you're you're We'll see you in like a month and you'll be back and giving us some excuse of why you couldn't make it and stuff like that. And I, and I, people would tell me to my face and it's like kind of stung, but it also felt better when I came back and I was like, yeah, sucker, look at, you know, look what I did, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Give them the one wanna... finger salute a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it, it was, it was, um, it, it made it much more rewarding for me to say, Hey, I did it. I'm doing it. And then even now say, in the past that I did it and I did it well. And, um, you know, people it's, asking me like they, their kids go in and they're like, Hey, can you give my kids some advice? And I always tell them like, where are you going? You know, what, what branch are you doing? You know, study up, uh, how's your ASVAB score? You know, what are you looking to do? What do you want to do in the future? What do you think? And if you don't have a plan, that's totally cool. But if you're going to do something, do it to the fullest, do it right. Um, and then move on if, if that's not your thing, yeah. you know, but at least master that one thing, be really good at that. And, and then they might even give you the option like, dude, you're too good for this job, you know, like move somewhere else. And that happens a lot. You know, like my buddy that just uh, retired, he had like four jobs because he would excel 
And then they're like, oh, yeah, you, dude, you you should go for this slot. You know, this is awesome. And so then he did like air traffic controls when he got out. Um, and he was a buddy that went a week before I did from high school. Um, <sighs> yeah, Joseph Zuniga. And yeah, pretty awesome that he he did the whole length. And I was like, dude, I... Yeah. Uh, hats off to the ones that did a full career. Um, yeah. are you, were you, uh, how weird is it to, to see guys that retired that now. you were like, <laughs> yeah, now that like, you know, yeah. back then you knew them as like PFC or Lance Corporal. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm like, you were in charge of people, dude. I'm like, people listen to you. you know? I remember you, <laughs> my buddy that, uh, he did tanks and not to say that he's a bad Marine or anything, but like in boot camp, just, just going through boot camp with him. And, and I'm like, dude, like, just so crazy to see that transformation and that progression in yeah. his career. And it's awesome. He has a family now. Um, and yeah, just amazing. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's funny. And then, you know, you kind of hold back sometimes you're like, Oh, that guy used to do that. Not this guy, but you know, I'm like this dude used to cry or whatever, whatever the case was, you know, um, I'm kidding. Yeah. He was terrible at drill, you know, stuff yeah. like that, you know, that's but, hilarious. Uh, yeah. So, so what year did you go in? I went, uh, I signed up in 98. Yeah. 98. And then I went in 99. Okay. So you deployed in 03. So that was, is that must've been how many, how many, um, enlistments so, did you do? So I did one. So I went in as a reservist. So full okay. disclosure, I'm a reservist. Yes. Go ahead and yell at your podcast speaker. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, to be a veteran, um, you know, I guess the classical sense there, there's, there's a way they classify it in the VA, but I know part of it is being active duty and being activated and deploying and things like right. that. And you, and you did deploy, Yeah, uh, you played no three, uh, were you part of the invasion? No one at OAF one. Yeah. So I was there at the end of January, we got activated, we got the call in December and then uh, everything happened really quick, maybe two or three weeks and we were out. I was like the end of December. They're like, "Hey, we're probably gonna go January." We got the order, and then we were out by like end of January, uh, staged in uh, Kuwait. I did not go with the first guys through the line. I was actually at the front gate at a place called Camp Commando in Kuwait, and uh, we got attacked, which was so crazy the first day. Uh, there was a, a seersucker missile that hit the front gate and I was literally cleaning my rifle when it went off. Whoa. I could see it cross the sky, angled down, and I'm like, oh, that plane is flying very, very low. And I'm like, and that doesn't sound like a plane. And as soon as I'm like thinking that it hits, the warhead didn't go off luckily wow. because it was like 200 uh, yards from the front gate. I was on one side of the concrete barrier the missile hits on the other side. I blacked out. I literally blacked out. And, um, you know, they've done scans of me and they're like, oh, yeah, it's, it looks like some kind of trauma happened. And I I think it's that. But uh, I blacked out. I woke up running to a bunker, the sand bunker, with my weapon together. I had my mop gear on. <laughs> I had my weapon my body just went into full just train auto. Mode. Yeah. Train auto, whatever you want to call it. Robocop just, just happened and, or transformer, sorry. And yeah. And from then I was like, okay, this is real. You know, this is, this is a real deal. Cause they told us that morning, they're like, Hey, we crossed the line. 
Um, you guys are probably going a week or in a few days. They're like, just be vigilant. And boom. I mean, from the get go. Um, again, luckily the warhead didn't go off. I probably wouldn't be here. I'd be, you know, uh, further disabled and other things, you know, but did you see the warhead hit the ground? Like I, I can didn't know it, okay, it, so. it, it crossed my site of, of, uh, line, line of sight, line of sight. Yeah. And the wall was there. So there's a concrete barrier. Those things that they just dropped, you know, but it, but it turned it, out to be a UXO and then boom. Oh. Wow. wow. It, it was like a, it was like a beat. And then I looked and I can see all the tents mushroom up. Just from the impact of that thing, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, would, that would be insane. Crazy. I mean, no movie has ever replicated that in my sense, you know, in my eyes to to give me that feeling again. Yeah. Um, and dude, I was terrified, man. I was yeah, at, from that point on. I was like, OK, again, this is real. Yeah. They're here. <laughs> they can get to us. You know, OK, now. <laughs> Now, now it's on. Like yeah, I almost you, got mad at that point, you know. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. Really? You, you, usually, when you see an X, UXO in films, it's like a mortar that like lands next to a guy, and it's like a little tiny thing. What you're talking about is like a missile or a rocket that's yeah. huge. It's that's, yeah. It's gonna be incredible. I, I even had to like look it up um, in the newspaper. I'm like, did that really happen? And I'm like, yep, that really happened. You know, mm. um, and just insane that I was there and. It, it, Funny story is I actually served at the same post as a guy I went to boot camp with, this guy named Aaron Murphy. And I didn't know until maybe halfway through that deployment and we came back and I was at the gate and I'm like, I know this guy. And it was just crazy. Ran into him there and then he uh, ran into him at a grocery store later on like miles away from where I'm at right now, like 50 <laughs> miles away and just connected that way. And I'm like, dude, I keep running into you, man. And so, you know, we're, bro- I mean, we'll always be brothers because of the Marine Corps, but yeah. after it was like, dude, like we were there together kind of thing, you know? So, yeah. Very cool. So. Very cool. So you were with third Anglico, um, Aaron. You know, our, our, our previous, uh, a previous guest, Aaron Quinones was, uh, was also with an Anglico unit. If you ever get yeah. a chance, and if you're listening to this, go ahead and check that out. Yeah. He was with first. Yeah. First. Yeah. Yo, first. you listened to that episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And he knows some of the guys that I was with because we, we interchanged and we were just kind of doing stuff. So yeah. But I mean, his, his story was really intense. That's a great episode. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, almost before and after the Marine Corps. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pretty intense episode. So if you get a chance, check that out. If you're listening to this, check it out in the archives. Um, you were logistics. Um, the invasion, uh, I mean, was one hell of a logistical operation in itself from a, from a logistical point of view, looking at that convoy to Baghdad. Um, what was that from, from your point of view, from a, a beautiful site? <laughs> yes. Yes. We're doing our jobs. Finally, this is not training, you know, yeah. um, but from a logistical standpoint as uh, dude, we just didn't have enough stuff for our guys at the time. Mm. I don't think people, uh, it's kind of, we're all, it was all new to us, you know, yeah. for, for some of us that were in the Gulf war, it was not new to them, but for me, and in my era of Marines, it was all new to us, you know? And so we're like, dude, we need batteries. We need these things. Where are they? Fuel, you know? ammo. I mean, just think getting to the fuel to the front of the, the convoy, you know, yeah. it's like how, I mean, how batteries were like gold. And, you know, at, at one point, like, um, 
there was like a toilet paper shortage at one time for like a few days and then we're like you know well we're in the desert so make do um i thought we were i felt like we were in prison sometimes i'm like dude we are making like we're just doing our own thing and just kind of making stuff out of other things and making rifles out of you know like rocks and whatever we can find in the in the vehicles but um you know all kidding aside uh, it, it was rough logistically but it was cool to see all those things actually taking form and actually happening. Um, I had a ton of pictures, but I lost them all in a fire. Uh, we were we were leaving. We were already um, disembarking or getting ready to embark back home, and uh, something got uh, something got fire in our camp, and we lost everything. So I lost a ton of pictures, uh, a ton of gear that I, you know, personal gear that I bought. People were basically ramping up to go home. Yeah. And so a lot of our trinkets and a lot of our photos are gone. You know, it was basically whatever I sent home at the time. And it was like that day that I was like, uh, you know, I can send stuff home or I can sleep in. And I was like, I just sleep in. And I was like, dude, I wish I made the other choice. Like I would have had like, you know, 10 rolls of film of, you know, really cool stuff, Babylon and and Basra and stuff like that and just gone. Mm. Yeah. So I'm sure whenever you see something, you're like, ah, it's like gold. It's like gold to you. Cause you, you yeah. don't have anything like that. Yeah. Gotcha. I have a, I have a few pictures and stuff, but, and from piece together from what other people did, um, there was another instance where, uh, we got left behind, uh, my buddy and I, we were in Iraq at the time and we were protecting contractors in the oil fields of Romalia. And, the contractors were like, hey, they said the pickup point is here. We're like, no, the pickup point is not here. We know. We had a meeting at the beginning of the day. So we do before we go out. <laughs> and the pickup point was where we picked up. <laughs> it's the drop-off point too. So they're like, well, we're dropping you off here. And it was one Marine per three contractor. So I'm with I'm with these guys. And uh, they dropped me off. And I'm like, dude, like, this is pretty effed up this is not right i'm like gonna just drop you off by drop yourself me off in iraq like by, by yourself by myself right. by myself and <laughs> 20 30 minutes go by and i i like i climb the highest point i hid i hear something i hear a vehicle and i run to it it's my buddy they did the same thing to him so now it's two marines by themselves so i go hey we gotta get up to this, uh, what they call a GOSP, a uh, gas and oil separation plant. Um, it's basically where they would store, uh, you've probably seen them like just wherever they store oil, big kind of yeah, drum big looking lugs. Yeah. yeah. So we ran up to the top, vantage point, nothing around us. We could see the vehicle in the distance driving away. And I'm like, dude, what do we do? And no comms, no nothing. No communications. They had the, they had uh, satellite phones, no radios. Hello, logistics. And uh, there just wasn't enough radios to go around. And we were doing this offbeat security that they had asked us to do. So uh, we ended up just hunkering down for a while. We went scouting around. We ended up running into a communications battalion from New York. And they just happened to be driving through. And they're like, dude, like, what's up? And so we told them what was going on. They were with some EOD guys. Long story short, we ended up having a barbecue, one of the best nights of my life. <laughs> <But> <laughs> You're kind of like, 
it, it, it was insane. I'm like, we went from almost dying and thinking that we weren't going to make it to we're having a barbecue. We're eating a goat that we bought for like five dollars and from a from a guy and the EOD guys, exp- uh, they um, put explosives on a tree <laughs> and exploded it to get firewood. And then started showing us videos of all their EOD happenings, like how they were like getting all the, you know, all the ammunitions that they found. They put them in a pit and then they blow them up. They're like, dude, check this video out. Six hours ago, I thought I was going to die, dude. You know, it's just so crazy. And uh, my buddy Hill, Stephen Hill, uh, he went to officer side later on and he's out now. But he he was with me and, and, and I'm like, dude, like, I, and it's weird because. I think that affected me as well. Like, it's like, it's kind of like, um, what do they call that? Like I had like daddy issues because they left me, dude. Like they left me, you know, did, did anybody I, else I, get lost? Like for good? Like, no, like, no, 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 no. We, you guys found everybody. Yeah, no, everybody was good. Um, our deployment, we had a few casualties, but no deaths. Uh, That's good. uh and so that was incredible while you were in, uh, give me either a best friend or your greatest mentor. Uh, Chesty Puller. Uh, no, that's just a <laughs> knee jerk reaction to anytime anybody asks me that. But um, I, um, so I would probably say like two people. Um, I have a buddy named uh, Kevin Flint and he was my sergeant. Um, and we're still friends. Actually, I just had a bachelor party. Uh, last week we went uh, whitewater rafting, okay. and so he was there, and he was in charge of the food and the and the booze, and and uh, he's a few years older than me, and so when I got to Third Anglico, he was a sergeant, and he was just cool, like just cool guy, uh, educated, could have went the officer route, but did the enlisted way, um, and I learned a lot from him, and throughout the years we've you know. Even after the Marine Corps, he got out right before we deployed. Um, just how it worked out it wasn't like intentional, but yeah, yeah. Um, he, after I got back, you know, uh, I was a mess a few years later and I didn't have a job or anything like that. And he was doing well. So he's like, hey, man, I'll put you to work. You know, let's talk while we're working kind of thing. And our friendship kind of, grew 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 and so now he's obviously like my brother it's awesome you know very good friend um and at the same time i also lost my best friend my childhood friend in a car accident so that happened and then he lost his brother to a bicycle accident and so i'm like now we're connecting over this you know we're we're grieving over people yeah and it just brought us even closer together we ended up uh, doing a business together we uh we did woodworking uh, we okay. were making tables and benches and just crafts. And we, we did like stages for bar mitzvahs because they have a ton of money when they're doing bar mitzvahs and, and uh, bat mitzvahs. And so we'd make stages and props and stuff like that. And it was great, you know. And so he has like – he had like construction knowledge. So then I learned construction. Nice. Um, and Sounds like he, he really helped guide you along yeah. some sort of path. Yeah. Just, just through your military yeah. connection. Yeah. That started great, it all. Great friend, mentor, and, you know – had fun along the way. And that was his thing. It was like, Hey, we got a job, but we can have fun doing it and we can have fun after we finish that, but let's get this done kind of thing. And so business, you know, uh, and fun at the same time. And so 
I try to carry that in my life as well. Um, and then the other person would probably be like my drill instructor. Uh, one of my drill instructors, Staff Sergeant Tovez, who was the same way. Very fun. I mean, you're in boot camp and he's your drill instructor, so he's not fun. But. There's only so much fun you can have in that. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, but. But they crack jokes. But I, yeah, they crack jokes and he had the funniest stuff. And I mean, there was instances where he was so intense. I mean, he broke a window with his finger yelling at a recruit. They were going the wrong way or doing something wrong. And he started yelling and he just started pointing and then the window broke. And we're like, what just happened? Never missed a beat. Polly bleeding. Didn't do anything. Just was like business, business, business. And then went back and was cracking jokes. I'm like, Doing dude, that. this guy's awesome. He's pulling and a real life Django Unchained with yeah, like blood, everything. Yeah. DiCaprio. <laughs> and, um, um, so, yeah. And and he was the same way. And he he taught me something that was uh, that I use to this day was basically um, take a little piece from the people that you like, you know, whether it be their humor, whether it be a mannerism, whether it be a belief and, you know, carry that with you and, and make that part of your own thing, mm. but make it your own kind of thing. So yeah. he's like, Oh yeah, you know, my dad did this or my, my best friend does this. And I use that. So his thing was like, he always bowed. He did this like weird Kimosabi thing. And, uh, he, he also said a bunch of stuff, but I do that with people now. So I go, Hey man, I like your work ethic or I like the way you do this or, that's cool how you smirk or, you know, like I always say, yo, like, mm. uh, like Rambo. Cause I really liked Rambo. So, or, uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone. And so I thought you were going to say, were gonna say Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. Here you go. <laughs> yo, Chico, Chico, a little toothpick in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I could use that. You know, I could say it by the way, depending yeah. on where I'm at, you know, yeah. um, play to the crowd. Well, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, I do that to this day where I see things in people and I go, I really like that. I want to make that part of my life and uh, piece myself together. Thing, you know, that's very perceptive of you that you took that from boot camp. That's awesome. I, 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 yeah. Talking about uh, you know, drill instructors, um, I mean, they always crack jokes. I remember one we had a gunner sergeant Carrasco, and he would call us individual communists, and I thought that was so hilarious because only a certain number of Marines got it, you know, and you could yeah. tell. And you were certain number, it's like a bunch of individual communists, and I'd be like, <laughs> and everybody, like, what are you laughing about? Don't worry about that, though. It's yeah. over your head. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's crazy. A lot of people, a lot of people are like traumatized from boot camp. And I had a ball, man. I was like, dude, I was fit. I was prepared. I talked to people beforehand. My recruiter was very open about, hey, these are things going to happen. I yeah. studied Marine Corps history. I did my general orders. Uh, I would do, I would run laps in the track because I was also terrible at running. Um so I would write a general order on my arm mm. for the day and I'd run, run, run. And I just repeat that general order because I was so afraid of not knowing them. And so I was, I was, dude, I was in it. So boot camp, <laughs> boot camp was, was good. It, for was, you. it was difficult, but it was good. And I knew it was coming and there was things that I didn't expect that happened, especially like ingraining that discipline and stuff and, yeah. and just muscle memory kind of things. Um, but I was prepped, man. I was ready. And I think, I went through boot camp. I knew I was going to like third weekend. I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm graduating that there's no way I'm not, you know? Um, okay. So at some point you got, uh, you started getting involved in video and, and photo roles for bands, local bands. Uh, did you start to get back into video and film before you got out? Was it after you got out? When did you get out? 
Um, so, you know, we mentioned that I was a reservist. So I had regular, you know, duties, regular life kind of thing outside yeah. of the military, non, you know, non-military stuff. So I had a job. I actually had, I had two jobs and I went to school full time. So wow. I had a night job and I had a weekend job. I worked at Blockbuster Video and then I worked for a company called Granger and they're a logistics company. So I was like, oh, I do logistics. I can totally get into logistics. So I worked from like nine o'clock at night to like eight o'clock in the morning. I went to school at 10. So I would get a nap. I'd go to school. I'd do mm. a full day of school. And then on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'd worked at uh, Blockbuster. It was great. So I was like, I have my entertainment. I was studying broadcasting and television production um, at a place called Mount San Antonio College here in uh, Walnut, California. And they had like a news truck. So we did all the all the sports events. Um, and, so you're doing some journalism. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, broadcasters, camera work, directing, yeah. producing that kind of stuff. It's a great, it's a great way to learn kind of everything when yeah. it comes to production. It and is, live is- action, man. Live is intense because it's on the fly. Things happen. You got to be, you know, really quick and snappy about it. Um, and so, yeah, that was fun. And then they also had a studio. So I was like, dude, I'm going to make music videos with my friends because my friends are musicians. And I'm like, yeah. dude, I just want to be around them because they're cool because they're making music. And also I get to go free shows, you know, when I hang out with them. And so I was like, hey, I asked these guys. I was uh, one of the guys, two of the guys I was in school with growing up. And I'm like, hey, can I do a music video for your band? And they're like, yeah, totally. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a music video director uh, once I kind of found what I wanted to do in in um, the industry, I guess you could say. What Was video production, was that passion kind of the, a reason that you kind of put the Marine Corps, you got out? No, 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 no. Okay. I got out just, I think it was time. I was also kind of... I I had a bad experience as far as my personal life while I was overseas. And so when I came back, I was like, well, that sucks. And that also changed my perspective of my path in video production, like making videos. I stopped doing that right after I got back because um, I was doing was that, that during like, this, this, that OIF deployment. Yeah. Yeah. And so as soon as I got back, I'm like, I'm, I don't want to do video production anymore. Um, do you mind if I ask what it was? It's just a breakup. Okay. Just a breakup. Yep. Gotcha. Just a bad breakup. Bad you know, breakup. Yep. Getting left at, uh, you know, getting left overseas sucks. Yeah. You know, yeah. getting that phone call. Like, what do you mean you're going to be with somebody else? So yeah. anyways. Yeah. Um, that sucks. I got back and, and we used to do things together in video production. And so I was like, you know what? That I just want to distance myself. I don't want to be in the same circles as you. Um, and I was out. So I kind of left that on the shelf for a while. Um, And then I moved to where I'm at now, which is the San Fernando Valley uh, for a job, Raytheon. So I started working for Raytheon. So you started going into like the defense contractor kind of route. I had a a clearance, dude. I had clearance because I was logistics and I handled really expensive stuff. Um, And I just, I just always tell people it's really top secret clearance because I was a secret agent and you know, all this, yeah. <laughs> but very not true. But no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But the TS clearance does get you into certain job field that a lot Dude. of people can't get into. Dude, it um, was incredible. And so Raytheon's like, Hey, we need you because we can't find anybody that has both. What year was background. this? And um, 
So that was 2005. And that was about the time I got out. So as I was transitioning out. But what's crazy is I almost did, I think when I do my math correctly, like I did like a little over four years of active duty between training, deployment, and all that stuff. I'm like, I should have just signed up for active duty instead of reservist. (laughs) What was the point kind of thing, you know? But especially for people around that time is you got like, you just got sucked into it you know you had to because a war was going on and you know nine yeah. eleven and all those things you know yeah 98 when you first joined you probably didn't think that it would be as much as it was going to be you never, know never um, never never but then you also you know it gave you another skill you were able to finish your school at the same time uh so you worked for raytheon for about how many years and then uh how about how many years Whew, maybe two or three years and okay. then they ended up selling their part of that entity so they did um aircraft it was called rac raytheon aircraft services Mm -hmm. and corporation services and uh res and they they sold that portion off and then it became hawker beachcraft and so they make like premier jets uh they do king airs like the big two big prop planes you know super super cool planes um cessnas they they do the maintenance on the cessnas um, so, so you, I, you, so you really, really distanced yourself from what you're doing now and what oh, you did before. Dude, dude I was um, in warehousing. I had like a stamp yeah. from, <laughs> from, uh, what is that? Uh, the entity that does all the FAA, like I yeah. had to get like approved for an inspector stamp. Wow. I used to do the hazmat training for them. Um, and the hazmat shipping training for, for Raytheon. And so they would send me all over to teach people how to ship hazardous materials. Um, Interesting. And so that was, I mean, very different. Again, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you're saying, like just, so, and even then from after, the Marine Corps, you know, it's like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you then left Raytheon and you went to go work for Solar City and Tesla. What it was like, what was it like to work for an Elon Musk company? I know when I got out in 2015, there was a job fair in Fort Lewis in Seattle because I originally went back to Seattle, went back home. I'm originally from, I'm a West Coast oh, nice. as well. And, I'll be uh, there next month. Oh yeah. Or in two months, a month and a half. Yeah. A month and a half. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I, I, I can't wait to, to go back and see my grandma and my family and stuff anyway. Oh, awesome. Um, anyways, I was in Fort Lewis in Seattle soon. I, even before I got out, I think I went to a job fair there and they, and I remember solar city and I remember they were heavily recruiting military. They basically said I'd have a job if I applied. And yeah. all I know is they kept saying the name Elon Musk and this was 2015 and they acted like I should have known him. Huh. Now, be advised, I was, you know, then this was before his Rogan appearances or anything like that. Um, I haven't lived in the West Coast since, since 2003. <clears throat> I had no idea about the guy at the time, uh, but it's like they revered him. So for you, you actually worked for Solar City. You actually worked for Tesla. Uh, what was it like working in that environment, in that culture and in that company? And it's definitely probably a unique time. Yeah. I mean, it was very techy and that was kind of new to me because they're like, oh, we have snacks and we have, you know, a coffee machine. And I'm like, what? Like, this is awesome. Like that whole tech culture. Yeah. That whole tech culture. And it's basically to keep you at work and <laughs> just keep you working. You know, <laughs> don't go to the store. Don't get snacks. We got all your pogey meat here. We got you. <laughs> yeah, we got you. We'll pay for it. I mean, it's a tax write off for a company. You can yeah. write snacks and stuff. You write that off completely. I know now having my own company, you know, um, but I didn't know at the time. And I'm like, this is just cool. They had sodas, they had drinks, they had snacks. And I'm like, these guys care about me, you know, but again, tech culture. 
And it was also really cool. They didn't have any offices. They had meeting rooms. Nobody had an office. Everybody had just a desk. Um, you may had partitions to kind of keep sound away, but for the most part, nobody had like an office. Like even my boss, from the top to the bottom, nobody had an office. Interesting. Um, and so that was fun because you can always everybody's approachable. Um, I think we were a big family, and again, it was kind of like the Marine thing. Uh, what I was mentioning when we crossed the line was like we're all doing this for the first time, kind of thing, and so ideas were heard. We would run with, hey, man, that sounds awesome. You found a better way to do something. Let's do that, you know. And so they really listened to you. They took everybody's strengths and they they made the company better. And we grew intensely fast. Um, I was also tasked with training people. So I set up their fleet of vehicles for Southern California. I set up their warehouses for Southern California. Um I came up with the SOPs for their warehousing um, and worked in conjunction with another guy to do the ordering process for ordering their raw materials, um, working with vendors to get raw materials down in price. So like the first year I was there, me and another guy named Raymond, uh, we saved them like $1.3 million just by making phone calls and telling guys, hey, do you know who we are? We are Solar City. We need cheaper prices kind of thing. And they're like, uh, I'm like Elon Musk. Yeah, like to your point of <laughs> Elon Musk, you know, just say his name. And, you know, it's like the panty drop of like logistics and, you know, supply chain. Yeah. And they're like, oh, OK, yeah, you guys are up and coming. Cool. Yeah, we'll drop our prices, you know, and very it wasn't cool. that easy. But, you know, it was a lot of phone calls and a lot of explaining who Elon Musk was. <laughs> yeah, no, it's but, not, it sounds like in, in, in that era and on, on the West Coast, people kind of knew his name. I had, I had no idea before. Yeah. He and I, up. yeah. I got in. Um, so what happened was Raytheon closed in like March of 2009. And so I was with them for like three years and then uh, they changed it to another company. But I went back to school in that summer and I got approached because I put my resume online and this guy named Will Arnold hit me up and goes, hey, we'd really like to talk to you. We're Solar City. This is our mission, Solar. And I'm like, I don't know anything about Solar, whatever. And... I was like, hey, I'm in school. I kind of don't have the time. And he was persistent. And so then we talked. I met them in like July. And then I met them again like two weeks later. And they're like, hey, we really want you. And I said, well, I'm in the middle of school. I'd love to finish my classes at least because they made me an offer that I was like, okay, I'm going to jump back into work. So they made me an offer. And I was like, if you can wait till January 2010, I'll do it. And they did. Like wow. from the summer to January. And I was there from January 2010 to January 2013. Um, and yeah, you, it was crazy to see them just grow. You were talking about your education there that you wanted to finish it. Did you use like a GI Bill? I don't I, I know reservists kind of get like a GI Bill thing from the VA. Yeah, I didn't use it until I actually went to audio school. Um, so at the time, uh, things were changing and there's a bunch of... Um, I know IAVA had really pushed for for new changes in kind of like how things moved. And uh, this wasn't one of them, but I mean, it's really important, the work that they do advocacy for veterans and stuff. But um, they had the Voc Rehab. So I Ah. used Voc Rehab and they're like, hey, you can use your GI Bill. It transforms into this Voc Rehab thing. And I went from because I was done with logistics after everything. Yeah. Um, 
I ended up getting fired. It was it was pretty bad. So then, oh um, man, yeah, yeah. So okay. I mean, <laughs> it was a surprise to me as well. So okay, uh, you know, but uh, I was kind of lost, and I I think that kind of messes with your mind when you're kind of alone. And that uh, I was just so used to being busy, and uh, things were happening with me where I was having PTSD issues, um, just stuff resurfacing that I didn't know, and uh, I think that ultimately had some effect on why they let me go. But mm, gotcha. um, even after it's like, okay, now I got no purpose. What do I do? Um, and so I really, really, I, I, I kind of took it as a blessing in disguise where it forced me to really think about what my next step was. And so I did a lot of research and a lot of soul searching. And months later, I got uh, the bright idea to go to audio school. I talked to my counselor at the VA, somebody that was assigned to me. And they go, hey, you should try Voc Rehab. You can totally change your career to what you want it to be. So I did that. And they're like, hey, we'll set you up with the laptop. The laptop I'm on right now was provided by the VA. Really? uh, Yeah, for school with Voc Rehab. Wow. Because I I needed it as an audio engineer to start doing my projects and and doing recording. And so they they also bought me Pro Tools, my first – uh, edition of Pro Tools and got me going. They're like, okay, now you you fly, little bird. You know, they send you into audio school. They're like, go for it, you know. And well, a laptop in hand, kind of thing, you know. So VR and it's not called VR and E. It was called Voc Rehab. Oh. So they're the ones that got you started down this journey. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. They gave me a check in my hand and go take it to school, and I took it to school, and and here I am. You know, so, <laughs> so we did a whole benefits breakdown on VR, on the VRNE program. If you okay. get a chance, again, if you're listening to this, check it in the archives. Uh, they break down the whole program. Good stuff. Um, why audio? What made you want to do in, go into audio? Because you know you've done film and video and acted. Yeah. And, and, and what, what made you go down this path? And you know, I mentioned before that I was thinking about being like a video director. You know, video uh, music video director. And so I'm like, well, I love music. And I always thought it was cool to see those guys with boom and his headphones and he's like, all right, guys, you know, talk, you know, and I was like, okay, what does that guy do? And how does that affect, you know, the product? You know, I'm a movie fan, a movie buff, TV junkie. Um, Yeah, I just got back into watching Perfect Strangers from the 80s. And that was a great show. Okay. Uh, From the, they're based in Chicago. And so it's just a great story of like immigrants movie. And it, it reminds yeah. me of my, my parents. Yeah. And so uh, my parents are both immigrants. So I'm first generation. So I'm like, oh, this is great. This is what they probably went through their transition into American life, you know? A very underrated show, but I think a lot of people have seen it. Oh, yeah. hilarious. Like, yeah. It's like eight, nine seasons. It's insane. So now yeah. they have it on Hulu. So watch it if you can. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then Family Matters came from that. So Urkel, you know, Steve Urkel. Yeah. That was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers because the wife, Harriet Winslow, was the elevator operator in that show. Had no idea. Yeah. Had no and idea. Carl Winslow, the cop, is yeah, in yeah, Perfect yeah. Strangers as well. In a bunch of Anyways, wow. so that's what I'm saying. Like, I love television and, you know, history, appreciate for, appreciation for the art. Yeah. And so I'm like, I really like sound. Like, that's interesting. I'm like, I it just, things started clicking, you know? Yeah. And I was like, how does this work and i had a friend that went through the program and i asked him and he's like dude i think you'd be great for it you obviously are talking about it like you know rambling and like i'm doing right now and he's like there's something there kind of like sees the passion in there you know yeah and he's like go for it he's like and especially if the 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 va will help you just really really go for it and you know i love music so like 
I've gone through my phases, like my punk phase, my R&B phase, my hip hop phase. Um, now I'm in my funk and blues phase and okay. like country mode, you know? Okay. Um, so like Old Dominion and like Garth Brooks and like just, I, I love, I love everything. So it's kind of crazy. Like I, I can even listen to foreign music and pick something out of it that I love. Like, oh yeah. Oh, listen to the recording of this. Oh, listen to the vocals. Oh, listen to the reverberation or like something about every song I can pull and be like appreciative about. When I was in um, Romania, I really got into uh, a lot of foreign music. You know, there was this uh, artist named Indalia and she just had the, like it reminded me, and she had, she's Algerian, French Algerian, but her voice reminded me of something that you would hear in the forties, like from Ooh. like World War II. Good yeah. stuff. I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. And, and then uh, my wife recently, and it's, it's strange to me, but she enjoys it. Russian rap. Oh, it's a, it's a thing, dude. French rap is awesome too. Yeah, she's she's all about the the Russian rap, and I'm like, okay, dude. French um, rap, it's like fancy fancy rap. It's yeah. it's crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. I have no idea what they're saying, and I'm all about the lyrics. For me, it's the meaning of the lyrics. So yeah, I can't sure. get yeah. So I can't get into it unless I know the meaning behind. Anyways, right. uh, Russian rap, and that's yeah, that's another part to music is lyrics, and like we we just started watching the Selena thing, and I'm like. It, they brought up a song and I'm like, oh my God, those lyrics are beautiful. Like just reading the lyrics, you're like, this yes. is a beautiful song. Even without hearing the music, you're like, yes, this is incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so all aspects of music, all aspects of sound, television, everything. Just, I knew that that was my path. Gotcha. So you, you, you went to school, got a gig, um, and now you're with um, uh, Advantage Post-Production Sound Services and Burbank. Yeah. Talk to me about the project that, that Excuse me. Talk to me about the project that you and your team uh, were nominated for and eventually won an, an Emmy for. Yeah. So uh, we worked on a, a project with Disney called Elena Vavilor. It's a children's animated series um, about uh, a Latina, Latinx princess. Uh, it's the first ever for Disney. And so uh, in a TV series, I believe. And um, it's pretty cool because it's fantasy with action but it's also made for the younger audience. Um, and as kids, uh, we love that stuff though. Well, no. And what's cool is so advantage advantage is awesome because it was like the perfect place. These guys have been doing like audio for like 30 years, over 30 years. Yeah. They did like, you know, you ever seen gargoyles? Yeah. Like, uh, well, I, I the, still watch on Disney plus the, the elf animated series, the back to the future series animated uh, ghostbusters, Dude, my boss, the owner of the studio, was mixing those shows. And so, wow. like, his name is Jim Hudson, but he, he's been doing it for 30 years. Their team has been doing it for, you know, 20 years for some people, 10 years for other guys. But they're very sharp. So, just getting to a studio like that was pretty intense. They have, like, you know, my boss has, like, five Emmys for himself. And what's cool is his dad is also a veteran. So, that kind of really his Marine yeah. Corps too. Er. Yeah. You're right. And uh, he's a World War II vet. I think he's like in his nineties. And so we related over that, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm a veteran. Your dad's a veteran. Hey, give me a job. You know, um, <laughs> so, so, you love veterans, but, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and cool. um, you know, so Disney was really cool, but they work with everybody. So like Nickelodeon, uh, Warner brothers, uh, universal studios or universal. And, um, pretty much all the big players i think amazon guess- is not in there but if amazon is listening i'll totally work for amazon stuff <laughs> um, Def- definitely got some big heavy hitter clients 
Oh, no. I mean, Mickey yeah. Mouse, dude, my first show was Scooby-Doo. Like, wow. Iconic wow. television show was my first shot. And it was basically make or break it. Hey, we're going to see how you do on this episode and then go from there. And then I'm like, I turned it in and I was so nervous. I spent like all night editing that thing. And the next day, like, yeah, this sounds great. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that's it. That's all I got. Like, no award, nothing. No, yeah, no. No, dude, that's the job. Yeah. See you tomorrow. And, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> do it again, you know? And so I've gotten a lot faster, you know? But, um, but kind of crazy because Elena was, uh, I was also like second in line for recordist or third in line. And so I had to ask for that show like, hey, this really means a lot. It's like my background. It's my people, you know. Um, I'd like to be a part of this in some way. This will make my parents proud kind of thing. And so they gave me a shot on that one. Um, and again, your work kind of speaks for itself. Um, and, yeah. you know, now I'm working with them again. Some Some people that are on the same team, I'm working with them on another project. Um, we got some stuff coming out that obviously I can't talk about, but it's really cool. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I always tell people like, as much as I hate to say, it, it's like, check my social media because I'll probably post about it. Yeah. Or, you know, just like look my name up. And I hate to say that stuff because it sounds so like, oh, look at me. Pretentious, but that's where the information is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where it is. And so, yeah, I mean, just, you know, keep abreast of my work. And I love sharing and I love being in... Dude, I get to watch cartoons all day, you know, and do you, are you familiar with Foley? I am. I, I, I love Foley. Um, I love the, I've loved the trade ever since I saw the Lord of the Ring appendices, uh, the behind the scenes of the battlefield and Medal of Honor video games. They did a bunch of, of series of like what Foley is. Um, are you always listening to sound out in the world and analyzing it now and on how so, you can incorporate it to a, a, another scene that you're working on? Yeah. So it's funny you ask. I'm always listening to sound like yeah. it, my, my fiance, I'm like tapping on things and I'm rubbing things in my squeaky stuff, you know, but even before that unbeknownst to me that I would be in this field, I was doing that already. I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. I've always loved listening to footsteps. So in my drill phase in boot camp, I'm like, Oh, that sound of a hundred guys marching in, in sync is beautiful. Yes. It's, it's it's just cool. It's just something that you, you've never, you can, you'll never get reincorporated. You'll, you'll never hear it somewhere else in the world. Yeah. 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 And I didn't, I didn't think about Such that a- until I was in it and somebody asked me the same question. Like, do you think, and I'm like, actually I have, and I, I've always done that. And so when I, when I walk alone, especially I'll listen to my footstep and I'm like, how are they doing it? But I also want to get better. How are they so, doing it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, And it's me, you know, it's me walking here. You know? I'm like, how is sound happening? You know, but it's, awesome. it's, it's Sound is so cool and it changes with the slightest little, you know, thing. And so sometimes we'll have to put four or five things together and layer them and create new sounds. Um, It's always different. So Foley is, if people don't know what Foley is, it's the footsteps in a, in a show or movie or even podcasts. Um, It's also props. So it could be as easy as me picking up a pen from, from the desk, picking up my phone tapping on the screen, tapping on my hands, clapping, um, all those things that are added after production. And so production's its own beast. And then there's post-production. And so that's what I'm involved in. And sometimes we have to sweeten sound effects, yeah. you know? So a body fall, they may have a sound, but then we sweeten it. We call them sweeteners. Yeah. And then that adds an extra layer of oomph kind of thing to it. Um, so we go through a show and we do a show a day 
and I don't know. I don't even know how many shows I've done now. <laughs> I know my colleague, uh, Ben Potts, he's one, he was our audio engineer at NASCAR production. I know he's going to really enjoy this because he's, he was so good at sweetening our sound. He's a really good sweetener that we have. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, if one of my, my experience with Foley was at Syracuse university when we had to make a soundscape and, and basically just create sound to create an environment where we couldn't use dialogue. We totally skipped the rules. We used dialogue from like, a yeah, radio, yeah. You know? Telling the story. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And so I love that. Yeah. So we did that. And then, um, my buddy, Nick, uh, had a, gr- was great at that. Nick Brown, he was, uh, and, and Nick McNaughton, Nick squared, both of them. Um, I worked with Nick McNaughton in the soundscape and Nick Brown really did one where he totally recreated <clears throat> the scene from, uh, saving private Ryan, where they kind of load up before they assault the machine gun nest mm-hmm. and totally like made it into like a mo- like turn off your cell phones and turn on who wants popcorn like <laughs> and but like made the jangles of all the gear and everything that they, as they were running and yeah. and i was like that was sweet fully sweet fully i mean yeah i mean the rack and the rifle they they, they recreated all those sounds yeah um, and and that was one of the things that we did in audio school was like they tell you take a scene or take a take a commercial or something and redo all the sound and i my project was a star wars lego star wars thing and it had already a a ton of sound in it so then i'm like okay strip it all away and build it and i actually have it on youtube right now that's great uh, so if you look up my name star wars stuff like that and okay. uh, lego star wars um but yeah it, it was fun and instead of um uh, instead of sound effects i also had my friends make sound effects who were like <laughs> you know and like oh, and like we all did voices and stuff because that was that's kind of like my humor you know it's just like throwing my little flair um uh and yeah, so it's kind of yeah it's just it's just crazy how like i'm just like i i had like this weird thought i'm like wow that was awesome when we did that you know it's like well after this we'll, we'll, we'll share the soundscapes that we made and, and stuff like that i'm really yeah. I, like i said I, I for me it's like i i i i mean i add sound effects i know where fully should be but i'm not the guy that is the one sweetening it the one creating it and i think it's such a such a creative skill um now my former colleagues and i we always have this discussion um, do you have any interest to break out into the future as a freelancer? And if advantages listening to this in the distant future, um, it really seems like there's a lot of pluses and minuses when, when people, t- when, you know, creatives, producers, editors, uh, audio engineers, when they talk about going freelance. Yeah. Uh, so I am freelance right now. I own my own company. Okay. I, so you're I not am my company. In, in advantage. So I am, and I'm not, they're my biggest client. Okay, um, got you. But I, but I am it's free. The work steady there. The work is steady there, and so I have. Uh, I wouldn't even say regular work, but when they look for Foley, they come to me. Gotcha. And so uh, I think I'm actually on their staff page though, because I'm always there. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but <laughs> I do outside work um, with different clients. So there's a client named Zach King, who's a, uh, a filmmaker, and he does all those magic in the TV and grabbing things and pulling them out and okay. Yeah. Look them up Zach King. And so yeah. I was his sound guy's sound guy when I started, that was my first gig. Okay. And from there I just kind of kept doing work with them. Um, any commercials that may come by from him or other people, I just finished a, pro- a project called uh, vice force action squad. And it's a detective show. It's on YouTube right now. Okay. Um, and that was with a veteran named uh, Miguel Lima and a, uh, another guy, Eric Ernst. And, you know, so I'll take projects from all over, you know, anytime because I, dude, I'm hungry. Like I will never stop being hungry, you know, and I want to learn. 
And if I can do it in live action, if I can do it in feature film, and I've done feature films before, yeah. um, live action, you know, before, and I just want to do sound. I, I really just want to work and do what I do and have fun doing it um, and bring other people, you know, um, I'm pretty open to talking to people that are interested in it. Yeah. I think there's been like one time where I let this one guy down that was a veteran and he's like, Hey man, do you want to have coffee? And I just had like a bad week and somebody else flaked on me. Like another veteran was like, Hey man, uh, can you hook me up? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, give you, I spent like so much time with this guy and he just like ghosted me. And I was like, uh. bad taste in my mouth. And it, I took it out on this other guy. So if you're listening, dude, I'm sorry. I'll totally <laughs> help you out. Um, call me but, again. Yeah, um, call me again. I need you. So, I mean, it's, it sounds like it's, this is your passion. You really, it's obviously that you, that this is what you love to do. Dude, Foley is, dude, I get, I'm telling you, I get to watch cartoons every day at work. Like it's just, <laughs> insane. I, I still crack up at these kid jokes and these kid scenarios. And some of them are the same scenario, you know, and, but just different characters, you know, but yeah. I still find it funny and I still find it entertaining. You know, it's great. It's great work. The reason I asked about the freelance versus staff, because when I first got out, I was combat camera guy before, before um, I went straight staff, NASCAR productions hired me. I was staff, uh, you know, medical was taken care of. I had, I, comfortable. I, I knew I was comfortable. I knew exactly where yeah. I was every day. Um, but I've seen guys go freelance and, and I've seen them do very well. And it, but it also seems like it's very feast or famine for any creator that, that might be listening to this, that is thinking about freelance or thinking about staff work and thinking what advice would you have to them if they were like, okay, I want to create my own business. I want to go after this. Literally have that same drive, have that same passion. Do not waver. Put it in your work. Put everything in your work. Don't complain. I I complain after the fact. <laughs> when I finish a project, then I can complain, but it's done. You know, I don't complain before because then I'm just wasting time. You know, I- Or during. Or during, yeah. When clients see yeah. you complain. Don't do that. Exactly. Yeah. Do it at the end. Have a great attitude. Know who you're talking to. Learn everybody. Learn all their roles. Learn everybody's job and how that affects your job. Um, I think it gives you good perspective. Like, so I'm I'm trying to get my mixer skills up because I want to know how my work affects the mixer. And so mm. I go, oh, hey, mixer, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? How does that play in with the music, the dialogue, the sound effects, the backgrounds? there's a lot of things and so they go hey you can do this you can do that you can lower your volume you can record hotter whatever the 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 thing is for that show so i'm continually learning so keep learning um don't get complacent don't get comfortable learn new things read uh look up new equipment try new equipment you know um be creative think outside the box try something new if if it doesn't work have a backup you know i i oh, tend to yeah. do that it, if yeah. i turn in something new a new sound or something then we're like let's see if the client likes it we have a backup like okay this is the normal way we do it so let's do that <laughs> takes us a second but just in case and then we just mute it and we'll leave it there and we'll yeah. tell the we'll tell the 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 sound uh, supervisor and say hey we left that in there but see what they say first kind of yeah. thing you know and it all depends on relationships and 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 knowing the client and things like that i always like to do an a or a b i always yeah. i would always like to always already have that back if i can always yeah. have that backup ready to go if i want to cut something a different way or want to do something different but and, yeah and and i know the clients that would be receptive to it you know yeah um, and to your point is those relationships is develop relationships tell people who you are i know it's hard like I, again i don't like to be 
in front of the camera kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm in the background. Like Too I late. Logist- I've learned, I work logistics and I've worked, you know, like working behind the scenes now. Um, but meet people, let them know who you are because that's important. Um, you know, I didn't meet the Elena of Avalor people into like maybe I would say like maybe like seven episodes in and then they met me and then they're like, oh, you're cool. And then when we went to an award show, when we lost, first time we lost and they were cool, but I got to hang out with them until they knew who I was. And then now we keep in touch and now we're friends, you know, and we see each other at different events. And when um, there's a, now, when there, now when there's a project. Oh, yeah. Now when there's a project, now hey, David works at Advantage or he does his own thing, whatever, they'll call me, you know, um, and other clients will too, because they'll recommend if they have a friend doing a side project or something, hey, yeah. you know, you can just call him and then I'll do work, you know. So develop those relationships and be genuine, man. Like if you're a jerk, just be a jerk. <laughs> like just don't fake it. People can see through the fakeness, man. Um, if you're cool and a lot of people in this industry are, you'll you'll get far, um, you know, but there are bad people. There are just like in any job, dude, like yeah. it's the same thing, just different environment. Um, and I've also learned that too. I'm like, there's always going to be somebody you don't like in the industry or something, you know? And it's like seeing fakeness was kind of the reason, one of the reasons I walked away from like LA and New York. And I was like, you know, I'm not yeah. going to, you know, I, I one the first time I was ever on set and this was out in North Carolina, Wilmington, when they were doing stuff in Wilmington. And then I saw an actress and I, you know, my first time I was like, yeah, I don't like this. And I was like, I'll yeah. go back to documentaries and, and, and sports media and things like that. But to your point, if you're genuine, you're going to find your tribe. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're just yourself, you're going to find that tribe that would be like, yeah, you're all right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's people I know in the industry that I've never worked with, but I just know, and they do their own thing and I do mine. Yeah. I met a lot of people through VME. I know you've, you've mentioned that in, uh, in the past, uh, veterans in media and entertainment. Yeah. Um, and so I linked up with them before when they were beginning and, um, I just needed to find veterans in the industry cause I was nobody yes it was yeah. it was, it, it, it was called a different name it was like veteran veterans and vft vft yeah film and television i yeah. love that they changed it to military and entertainment because they expanded the you know it's not just film um yeah yeah everything i, I mean yeah. especially nowadays dude yeah everybody does everything Insane. dude everybody um, watches our stuff on their phones and i'm like yeah it's supposed to be on the television or it's supposed to be on the big screen kind of thing you know but when it was still, it is what it is yeah when it was still in vft and i don't remember i don't know if my bio and and, and portfolio is still on there and i like that they have that that you can create your own thing and and people can find you on on that website yeah i'm on um, there and i'm listed as a mentor as well so yeah that's great I, and I, I i volunteered with them for years doing the parking lots so dude audio guy doing parking lots how does that make sense but me, me and guess Paul, what it was what's that guess what it was i got to meet everybody when they came in perfect perfect so it was like oh yeah that makes sense okay let me do that yeah mm-hmm. so hey. everybody knew me as a parking guy and the audio guy there you go. So you're a mentor with them. You know, when I was in Charlotte, um, I used to joke with another veteran, Paul, that uh, we were the Charlotte chapter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> our portfolios were on the site, but, yeah, it was, yeah. but it was just us out in Charlotte. We were just like, all right, well, Paul Porter, me, uh, we're, yep, we're present. Uh, we're present. Um, <laughs> what's VME uh, out there like for you all in California? It seems very active. It seems like there's a lot of stuff that goes on with it. Yeah. And, it, and it's kind of cool because, like I said, uh, I was, I guess, uh, I didn't really have too much of a career when I kind of linked up with them yeah. and I was meeting other people that were just in their budding careers. And so now it's kind of cool to see everybody doing stuff. 
uh, Jennifer Marshall. I think she was on the show before. Yeah, she and uh, she's been Michael on Michael Broderick. You know, like all these guys doing stuff that are big, big shows: True Detective, Stranger Things. Um, some guys doing voiceover. Uh, you know, Jennifer's Roger got Clarkis. her own. Jennifer's got her own show now. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, from where we I, watch it, and she was at my housewarming like two years ago. That's good stuff. But it was like, it, it was. It, it's cool to see people just, and I helped her move. Actually, I actually helped her move. <laughs> That's what kind of friend I am. But um, logistics. <laughs> yeah, logistics exactly. Um, but um, it, it was that thing, and I've never made my career about. I've never kind of like, hey, well, I need you to do something, a favor. So like, dude, just be cool with me. We'll yeah. be friends. Again, we've never worked together, but we could still be friends and we can still have a relationship and we can still yeah. talk the industry and stuff like that and our experiences and stuff. So it's cool to see that progression and have that relationship that um, that there's no kind of strings attached or anything Absolutely. like that, you know. Absolutely. Um, and so a lot of people say that Hollywood is a certain type. I don't get that because that's not who I am. Yeah. So I don't surround myself with people like that. You know, my, my mom always taught me, um, tell me, uh, it's basically translated roughly is, uh, tell me the people you hang out with and I'll tell you what kind of person you are. Yeah. And, 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 and you, and you look at my friends and stuff and you'll see that they're kind, generous. Um, you know, they, they give themselves, you know, they'll donate their time. They, um, they're helpful. I mean, all things that I aspire to be, and I hope that I am, but I I try to, I try to really live uh, by that. And again, it goes back to my drill instructor saying, take a little bit from everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, And and so that's, that's always stuck with me and, you know, mom's advice kind of thing, you know? Exactly. And I I think, you know, it's good that there's a group like VME that that has that kind of camaraderie, you know, like like veterans kind of like you talk about, it's not LA, it's more like a veteran centric thing. Um, And and then the first can be though. (laughs) Yeah, I can understand that. It it, it gets like that sometimes. And and that's mm. real life though. That's, that's anywhere. That's any job. It's not only Hollywood. 100%. And so uh, I, I try to tell people documentary and, and, and sports media, you see that there too. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. But uh, I also met people through VFW, the yeah. American Legion, um, yeah. IAVA, and I volunteered for all of them, you yeah. know? Yes. I, yeah. See, I saw that in your bio and it looks like you, you got yourself out there and, 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 and say, Hey, this is me and this is what I do. And, 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 uh, and you met some friends and, and have created a cool network. I think it's great. I, Jennifer in her first interview on Born the Battle, uh, she's had, been on a couple of times. We talked about uh, aliens the last time she came on. <laughs> nice. um, it was a Halloween episode. It was pretty, it was pretty good. It was a different, unique take. I, on think, Born I, the Battle. I think I did hear that one. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was, it was like, oh, I was like, what can I do for Halloween? Oh yeah. Jennifer like chases aliens and stuff. So we had her on. Coming it's up. amazing that everybody's like, yeah, cool. And it's not yeah, like yeah. big news that like, Hey, there's aliens out there. <laughs> That's a big um, deal. But she was a big proponent of the BME and a Legion. Uh, when, it, when she was on her first episode, is there a veteran uh, in the community or a veteran nonprofit whom you've had an experience with um, or that, whom you, that you've worked with? And you mentioned a couple that you'd like to mention um, like in a further yeah. detail, if you were to pick one. Yeah, I'm actually going through the process of um, getting on Team Semper Fi um, with a Semper Fi Fund. Okay. Um, and so Semper Fi Fund helps veterans in need in different ways and different aspects. Um, they're a very highly rated uh, nonprofit. Um, so that means that they utilize their money well. They don't have a lot of overhead or they don't waste their money. Um, crazy advertising and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, 
and so I'm going through the process with them right now. Um, with COVID and stuff, it's been kind of different, but they have programs like yoga, uh, you know, video yoga and, and different things because my big thing is rehabbing my back and my physical fitness, my health. So they have a lot of those things for self, uh, wellness. And, um, so I'm using those programs. They're also, um, teaching me golf because I could use golf in business. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So they're, they're, they're kind of putting me in touch with the right people. And if they can't do for you, they'll, they'll direct you in the right way. And so you're assigned somebody. And so I have, I have somebody assigned to me, Jennifer, and they're great. I mean, they're very attentive and I've had friends go through it and I actually volunteered for them with a golf tournament, uh, Rob Riggle's uh, Invitational okay. here in California yeah. and Rob Riggle, the comedian does it, you know, as people know, USMC veteran and comedian, also, hilarious. Yeah. Super funny guy. And he brings celebrities. And so I would work the holes. They would have, uh, that sounds weird, <laughs> but I, I'd work whatever they need me to do. I'd basically do. And then I made a bunch of signage because I told you I had a wood shop. Um, I made some signage for Semper Fi Fun. And I did this for a couple of years. And then they're like, how are you doing? You know, they kind of noticed something and we we're talking and we meant we talked about my story and they're like, I think you can use our program. You know, I think you can, you know, not only, you know, be a member, be a client kind of thing. What, what's that commercial? You know, yeah. I'm not only uh, <laughs> a, 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 the owner, but I'm also a client type of thing. Yeah. 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 For men. And so, and so that was, yeah, so that was a thing. And so I go, okay, let me give it a shot. And it took me a little while, but I finally got my paperwork in and stuff. And they're like, yeah, let's, let's, let's help you out. Let's fill in those gaps. You know, let's, um, let's get you where you want to be and, and where you see yourself kind of thing. And they, they, they talk to you for a long time. It's great. And they check up on you. Um, I think that's, that's a personal touch that uh, I think veterans sometimes need, you know, especially now with, us losing a lot of people um, with COVID because they're they're by themselves, they're lonely and things like that. I think people just need like, hey, how are you? What's yeah. going on? You know. And so I tend to ask a lot of my veteran friends that I know have those things. Like, hey, what's up, man? How are you really doing? Like, you know, all BS aside, just you know, just be straight with me. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I'm see. not afraid to share those kind of things that happened with me. Um, I had panic attacks when I was working at Solar City before. And my assistant was an army reservist that got me into the VA. I mean, I literally had a breakdown where I had this crying spell and I was crying all the way to work and I didn't know why. And he's like, dude, he's like, I know what's up and took me to the VA, got me registered. That That's how I started. 2008 was when I went to the VA and, you know, five years after the theater of war. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, pretty incredible that how the community works like you know this guy just seen and was willing to take me even though i was boss you know but um just to get me the help that i needed and then everybody else after and so i try to pay it forward kind of thing you know and that's good I don't make a lot of money, even though I'm in Hollywood and I do well and I, I have an Emmy in the back, you know, Yeah. but, that, but is, that does you, those things don't come with money, you know, they're, no, they're not Pulitzers no. or whatever, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, I try to give my time because I'm like, I don't want to give my money cause I need that for 
everyday things. Yeah. But uh, I can get my time sometimes, and I and I do that. I also work with a group called Miracle League of Los Angeles. Okay. And we do baseball for kids with disabilities. Very cool. And uh, of all disabilities, mental, mental, physical, uh, kids of all ages, and we play baseball with them in a special field that the Dodgers help us build. And my old roommate started that. Um, wow. He worked on a project with Oprah and as a production assistant and then brought it to LA. And so, I mean, I, I feel like I've been blessed with a lot. And so I'd love to give back and I'd love to help people kind of find their passion, find their way um, like I did. You know, it took me into my 30s, but here I am, you know. And so that's another lesson is it's never too late. You know? Very good. Very good. What's one thing that you learned during your time in the military that you uh, apply to what you do today? I mean, I, I've gone over a few things, but just kind of really adapt and overcome kind of thing. You know, things are going to come at you uh, from all different aspects of life and things that you didn't expect or plan for. Um, it's like the Ferris Bueller quote, you know, it's like, or was it life? So what happens when you're making other plans kind of thing, you know, yeah. what, what movie was that? Anyways. I can't remember, but yeah. it's, it does sound like you've been very adaptable in your, your life and your career. And yeah. And, and you just kind of go with the flow. And again, you know, Semper Gumby. You get, if you get a job, dude, if you are flipping burgers at some fast food joint, you be the best burger flipper there. I love people with passion for what they do, regardless of what they're doing. I've been at a coffee shop and just got a coffee and like, it's just perfect. I'm like, you're the best coffee server ever. And I love you. And it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I will tip you like, yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I take my job the same way. Like I just want to be the best at what I do. So that way somebody's like, dude, I love you. Thank you so much. You make my life easier kind of thing. Yeah. That's all I want to be. And I hope other people kind of do that in their life. You know, it's like, just be the best you, man. Just be the best you be, do whatever you love to do and be happy, man. That's all I wish for people. It's like, it's not like a hippie now, but I'm just like, <laughs> you're in California, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but just, just really like, you know, dude, especially for veterans, dude, you've, you've gone through so much, like don't make your life harder. Don't fight other people. Yeah. Just do your thing, man. And, and, and be happy and live a prosperous life. You know, I only wish the best for people. So yeah, that's all I can ask. 100%. Um, well, we're coming up on, uh, uh, the end of the time. Seven here. hours. So, so, <laughs> no, no, it hasn't been that long. But um, two days later. <laughs> <laughs> um, David, is there anything that I that I've missed or I haven't asked that you think is important to share with whoever's listening, whether it be a VA employee or a veteran or or anybody? Um. Well. Um. No, man. Uh. You know. I. I. I think we've said a lot in the episode, and uh. Right. If you need if you need help, look for it. That that's that's my thing. Don't be afraid. Don't let pride get in the way. Um, I almost didn't find it in time, and it took somebody else to help me through it. And if you need that, go for it. Um, but also on a positive note, do what you love. Have fun doing it. Do your do your job, but have fun. Do your stuff. Have fun, and good things will happen. Yeah. Strength is something earned, not given. Dedication means pursuing your passion every day. Healing is something we do together. And together, we put veterans first. 
Search VA Careers to find out how. I want to thank David for coming on Born the Battle. Always love as an audio as a video editor. Always love the audio guys. For more information on David, again, you can go to his IMDB and check it out. And for his role at Advantage Audio, you can check out the talent roster at advantageaudio.com forward slash talent. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is by the way of the Congressional Medal of Honor Society and their website, cmohs.org. Jose Lopez was born in Santiago, Huitlan, and I hope I said that right, Mexico, and was raised by his mother. Orphaned at age eight, he eked out an existence in Mexico until he was 13 years old when he hitchhiked to family in Brownsville, Texas. From there, he hopped freight trains to follow the seasonal crops across the United States, picking cotton and fruit to make a living. A boxing promoter saw him in a street fight in Atlanta, Georgia in 1927 and signed him as a lightweight fighter. The teenage was billed as Kid Mendoza and ended his career with more wins than losses. In 1935, tired of the boxing scene, he bought a false birth certificate to join the U.S. Merchant Marines. Now, this birth certificate showed that he was born in Mission, Texas. That is also a location that was recorded on all of his official military records. Lopez served in the Merchant Marines for six years, eventually joining up with the Army in April of 1942. In December of 1944, Lopez found himself near Krinkelt, Belgium, and I hope I said that right. And this is an excerpt. Well, 90% of what his Medal of Honor citation reads. On December 17, 1944, on his own initiative, Sergeant Lopez carried his heavy machine gun from Company K's right flank to its left in order to protect that flank, which was in danger of being overrun by advancing enemy infantry supported by tanks. Occupying a shallow hole offering no protection above the waist, he cut down a group of 10 Germans. Ignoring enemy fire from an advancing tank, he held his position and cut down 25 more enemy infantry, attempting to turn his flank. Glancing to his right, he saw a large number of infantry swarming in from the front. Although dazed and shaken from enemy artillery fire, which had crashed into the ground only a few yards away, he realized that his position soon would be outflanked. Again, alone, he carried his machine gun to a position to the right rear of the sector, where enemy tanks and infantry were forcing a withdrawal. Blown over backwards by the concussion of enemy fire, he immediately reset his gun and continued fire. Single-handed, he held up the German horde, and it said horde in the citation, until he was satisfied his company had effected its retirement. Again, he loaded his gun on his back, and in a hail of small arms fire, he ran to a point where a few of his comrades were attempting to set up another defense against the onrushing enemy. He fired from this position until his ammunition was exhausted. Still carrying his gun, he fell back with a small group to Krinkelt. Sergeant Lopez's gallantry and intrepidity on seemingly suicidal missions in which he killed at least a hundred of the enemy were almost solely responsible for allowing Company K to avoid being enveloped, to withdraw successfully, and to give other forces coming up in support time to build a line which repelled the enemy drive. Lopez was presented with the Medal of Honor by Major General James Van Fleet III at Zeppelin Field in Nuremberg, Germany, a few months after the Krinkelt actions. Following the war, Lopez returned to Texas and the family he'd started. The town of Brownsville, from where he had enlisted, presented him with more than $1,300 in war bonds 
and a townwide welcome home luncheon. He spent a few years as a civilian before rejoining the Army, making a career of it, serving both in Korea and as an Army recruiter. He ended his military service in 1973. Unfortunately, Jose died in 2005. He left behind five children and 19 grandchildren. Army veteran Jose Lopez. We honor his service. Ready. Hey. Five. Ready. Hey. Five. Ready. Hey. Five. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a feature born the battle veteran of the week so we can all learn their story, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the born the battle veteran of the week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcasting app known to phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always catch us with that blue check mark. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because the song you're hearing now is called Machine Gunner, which is courtesy of the nonprofit Operation Song, and was written by Marine veteran Mark Milkilhenny, Nashville songwriter Jason Seaver, and Michael Duncan. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you right here next week. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine gunner. Firefight bullets fly to my brain. Simplified till we're down another campaign. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a 7.62 round that'll cut them down in an instant. Made bullet in my back Raining down there Punching that clock Get them boys, I'm laying down Machine gun Bullets fly day and night Brain, simplify Do or die, another campaign Here we go, lock and load 0331, lug a thousand rounds And I ain't bringing back one So I was in Iraq And uh I was in country and it had been a long, uh, I would say like two weeks. I, I think I was up for like two weeks straight. And so I was kind of delirious. Uh, I went to bed and it was like my day off, like my one day off in between, you know, these pulling these security shifts and stuff. Cause you're always on the alert when you're in Iraq. Oh, yeah. And uh, I woke up and, you know, I had my little green skivvy or my little green shorts, the little runner shorts. And, I, it was so hot. I didn't have a t-shirt. So I wake up from my hood, from my tent and I go into what they, they used to have these pee tubes, you know, so you pee in the tube. And so I'm walking over there and I'm just kind of, you know, waking up, scratching kind of thing, half awake and I'm walking, walking, walking. And I hear "Hey, boner. I was like, huh? like whatever boner. And I'm like, 
Whatever, guys. Yeah, sure. And I think it's because of my last name, Bonilla, you know? So they're like, hey, Bonilla, Boner. And so I'm just like, whatever. So I go to the tube. I try to pull my shorts up. My shorts aren't coming off. So I go, oh, okay. <laughs> so I finish my business and I come back. Boner! <laughs> Boner! <laughs> And people wonder how, how uh, veterans get certain nicknames. And that's how I got my nickname Boner. <laughs> that easy. 